What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly, we're on episode 72. 72. <laughs> 72. I, I gotta tell you, I'm just feeling it. I'm feeling know, it. Being man. here in LA, the whole atmosphere has changed. Yeah, I know. Like, it was awesome before. Yes, definitely. It's epic now. Yeah. Like, just doing these shows out here and just being around here, all the... Pro I mean... Doing the podcast, mm -hmm. and then we got all the other stuff going on. It's just, it's crazy. It's awesome. I it's know. Epic. There's really no bad days, no down days. Everything is just so exciting, so new out here. Of course, that newness is going to wear out over time, but I don't think there's ever going to be, like, an overall bad day. No. No, yeah, the newness will wear off. The epicness will not. Never, never. <laughs> I still, every time I see the mountains, man, like it's just, it's beautiful. I know, beautiful. it really is, it really is. Well, we have an epic show for you guys this week. Our industry news is jam-packed. We got a lot of Disney stuff to talk about, a lot of streaming, and a lot of craziness going on in the industry. I'm not even going to lie. But our guest this week is Laura Naimi. You might have seen her on This Is Us. She is Jack's mom, Milo's mom. Very excited to talk to her this oh, yeah. week. Oh, yeah. It was a great interview, so I'm so excited for everyone to hear that. And, of course, your hosts for today are myself, J-Lo Fantastic, and the one and only Mal. What up? Oh, man. Well, let's get this thing started with the biggest thing happening right now, in my opinion, the record-breaking, or going after that record. Avengers Endgame is being re-released after two months after its initial release so that they can go after Avatar. Right, right. Feige confirmed it. Mm -hmm. He did say the rumors are true. They are doing it. Um, six minutes longer than the initial release. Yeah. All of it in the back end. There's going to be some uh, new scenes on the back end mm -hmm. and some after-credit stuff. That's like a tribute and some deleted scenes and stuff like that. So not necessarily a post-credit scene, but a couple of deleted scenes and a tribute, as well as some extended scene footage in the film itself. Yeah. So, and which I'm pretty excited about it, honestly. Maybe, maybe we see a glimpse into the future with Catherine Langford's character as I, oh, Tony's daughter. That would be epic. I mean, that is one of the deleted scenes. Even yeah. if that's a deleted scene at the back end, I would love to see that because, uh, yeah, it just. And come on, I mean, they're $40 million away. I know, 40 right? $40 million Just away. Get there. And technically, while it is a re-release, it was still in theaters. It was still yeah. in a lot of theaters. Yeah. So it's just, you know... Can we call it? Just, just say it. Okay? It's, it's going to take Avatar. <laughs> yes. and like you know, you don't have to put an asterisk next to it. You don't have to do shit. It was still in its initial release. I don't give a shit if they're calling this a re-release. It, it was initial release still, and it's going to beat Avatar. Goodbye, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, seriously, seriously. I was uh, making a joke earlier today about what if it's just an extra credit scene at the end, a post-credit scene. That would yeah. have been like kind of shitty, I feel like, because you know everybody waited for the initial end credit scene and then get anything but now with the new footage what if it was just you're watching the whole entire movie nothing seems different and then after credit scene well and i gotta tell you anybody who thinks that this isn't being done intentionally to get avatar is just off their rocker look they're doing it on the same weekend that toy story 4 opens yeah if you were trying to do it because you wanted people to see this new stuff or because you were trying to add on to i mean you wouldn't do it up against another one of your own films right. first of all right and everybody's going to go see Toy Story 4. Exactly. That's going to be number one by a landslide. Exactly. But, but they think they can squeak out another $40 million, you know, quietly behind exactly. Toy Story 4. That, come on, that's what they're, they're, they're only trying to beat Avatar. Exactly. And 
they should. Yeah, I heard through the grapevine, you know, through that great Twitter grapevine, um, that they're going to maybe possibly release it before Friday, before Toy Story 4, so that it doesn't kind of, like, overshadow that the new sense. release. That yeah. makes sense. And then I think this is a good idea, though, because, remember, Toy Story 4 only has a couple of weeks, and then mm-hmm. we've got Spider-Man. Exactly. And Spider-Man, we all know now, you know, we've seen the trailers, and, and hopefully at this point, everybody has seen Avengers Endgame, and if not, right. too bad. Yeah. Here comes spoilers. It's intricate detail of Spidey's moving on past Tony's death, yeah. and it deals wholeheartedly with that. So if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I can totally see why this is good. Mm-hmm. To Hey, here's your chance again to go see it before seeing Spider-Man, because you won't understand shit in Spider-Man without understanding what happens in Endgame. Yeah, so it's, it's a smart move. I mean, you'll get Avatar, and you'll, you'll bump up Spider-Man. Yeah, that's a smart move. Yeah, it would definitely be epic. And plus, Lion King's also coming out this summer. So, I mean, mean, they got to make the money. Disney. (laughs) Okay, okay. And this next one, all right? I'm really, like, Feige was just talking. From a man who's typically pretty quiet, Feige was, like, talking this week. Yeah, he was just going. He has also confirmed that the studio is indeed in talks with Keanu Reeves Uh, to enter into the MCU. So crazy. And he said that they've been talking to him. For years, oh, and they talk to him every movie. Yeah. Like, every time they make oh, a movie, shit. they talk to Keanu That's Reeves. crazy. And he's following along the same lines. He said he went on to compare him to Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. and saying that, look, we talk to him every time we make a movie, but we're trying to find the right way the right to bring him in. Yeah. We did the same thing with Gyllenhaal, and then the role came along, Mysterio, exactly. and that was the one. Exactly. Well, that's what they're apparently, according to Feige, trying to do with Keanu Reeves. They're waiting for that one role where exactly. they like, that's it, that's the one. So that's so that's, epic. Yeah. I mean, that dude's on top of the world right now. Yeah. So it only I makes mean, sense to try to bring him in in this new phase. There, I mean, there's so many, in my opinion, interesting characters yep. that Keanu could play. Yeah. Um, in the MCU. Uh, and then plus we heard a fan theory about uh, Jensen Eccles, like possibly coming possibly. in somehow. Look, for anybody out there who doesn't know, Jensen was supposed to be Captain America. Yeah, the role the role was offered. He couldn't take it because supernatural scheduling, and uh, so it went to Chris Evans. Chris Evans, to be fair though, turned it down multiple times. Yeah, which is why they were casting other people. Yeah, ended up they loved Jensen, offered it, but he couldn't do it. They finally wooed Chris Evans back into the past. (laughs) But I think Eccles would be brilliant in the MCU in some manner or another. Um, I don't think Cyclops, just because I'm hoping that they go for a really young yeah, X Men. Yeah, we teenager. saw we saw that fan art over Twitter, but yeah, yeah, and then because um, he's like in his early 40s now, so yeah, yeah if yeah. you would want the young X Men, that's not going to cut no, it. No, that's not going to cut it. But Feige continued. There's even more. He did say that the way that they plan on introducing the Fantastic Four and the X-Men into the MCU is going to be epic. Yeah, He said that the process has already started. It started years ago, and they were sitting around. He said, like we do with all of our movies, and we throw out ideas, and we come up with brainstorming, and it's fun, and it's exciting, and we have all these ideas. And then we're like, what if we had this character? And what if we had... And he said, that's exactly how Spider-Man happened. Yeah. We were like, what, but what if we did have Spider-Man? What could we do? Yeah. And then that deal worked out. And he said, apparently, that's what they've been doing for the last couple of years with X-Men and Fantastic Four. Because yeah. they kind of like, but what if we did have... So... According to Feige, they have their ideas. Yeah. They know how they're going to introduce them in, and 
I just got, I gotta say, and he wouldn't. He stopped there. Yeah. So obviously, but I like the idea of. He's because he was saying sometimes you do it like you introduce the character in another movie, right? Like Spider Man in Civil War, and le, and the and he said, but other times you want to put him in their own movie, like right. Doctor Strange or Black Panther, or I mean, um, Captain Marvel. And so remember, we talked about this on last week's show. There's rumor after rumor after rumor that Ben Grimm mm-hmm. is in the Black Widow movie. So, and for anybody who's not paying attention, the Black Widow movie actually takes place after Civil War. But before Endgame, so that's that where that time frame is. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's interesting because that rumor doesn't seem to be going away. Yeah. And if they could indeed, you know, introduce individual Fantastic Four characters and then, you know, lead to the fact that that'd be interesting. Yeah. That would be really, really interesting to see if that plays out. It really would. I mean, like we said, we got to keep an eye on that because so much shit can change at like a split second. Exactly. Honestly. Exactly. And now, you know, rumors are they're talking to The Rock. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah, the, the Russo brothers said, they're, in their opinion, there's only one character large enough for The Rock to play in yeah. the MCU. <laughs> so I don't know what that means. I personally think with a little CGI, he'd be a great uh, Sasquatch. Yeah. For for Alpha Flight, yeah. I mean, you know, we've already got the perfect Hulk, yeah. You know, and I don't, I, I don't, I don't see, yeah. him as Ben Grimm. He I, would be I, I like the first that. main character to be both in the MCU and DC. We've had people, actors that have played in both, but he would be the first main character. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've had supporters, but yeah, he would be the first. But I don't see it happening. He's so committed to Black Adam, yeah, and he's so yeah, like, he's that, been signed on to that forever. Yeah, and that's going to be time consuming as hell when yeah. they start doing that. Because yeah, it seems like they want to give that one his own solo film first, exactly before Shazam. And these films are epic, so you can't. I don't see how you would possibly split that time to try to do yeah. both characters. And I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know, man. He's a, he's pretty creative with his time. He's a busy motherfucker, but he, he, he does is. fit everything in there. He is. I don't know. So many possibilities I know. for the Fantastic Four, though. right? So many, so possibilities. many possibilities. Well, with all this great news, it's been great for a Disney stock, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, except for one company who doesn't think so. But, uh, yeah, Disney stocks up nearly 30% this year, year to date. And this is the crazy part, 70% over the last five years. Damn. Anybody who questioned whether Iger was, knew what he was doing, right. well, clearly he did. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, th- this is interesting. There is a company called Imperial Capital, who is an investment company on, on Wall Street, trades on Wall Street. Now, they downgraded Disney Monday. And the stock fell 1%, not some giant, you know, oh my right. gosh, to panic about. But, and they cited the fact that they think that the stock is just rising too far too fast. Yeah. And they're really skeptical about the upcoming streaming service, Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, so they're saying they downgraded it to a hold. Yeah. Don't, don't sell it, but don't buy it either. Yeah. Um, most of everybody else on Wall Street wholeheartedly disagreed with that and said bye 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 and the reason they said that because Iger has specifically stated to the board the board is well aware of they've they've issued statements to the sec they have been told look we're going to take a major slide here when we introduce this streaming service we're going to go for a little tumble and then we're going to recoup but we're expecting that they've they've given all these warnings so I feel like the rest of Wall Street knows that, you know, Iger knows what he's doing, that there's a plan here, they got this, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Now, listen, when that stock dips a little bit, 
all everybody who owns it and is aware of what Iger is talking about and aware of what's going to happen, no problem. Hold, 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 hold. But when that dips and you don't own, buy, 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 buy. Exactly. Because as you see from the performance over the last five years, Iger knows what he's doing. Exactly. So don't think for a second you buy when it dips here in about a year or so at a nice little price that you're not going to see a massive profit when it recoups back up like it has over the last five years. And it will. Then you're going to be rolling. You're going well, to be... I'm just going to be honest. With all these new streaming services coming out, I feel like Disney Plus is the most bankable. It's the most one that I feel like people are going to gravitate to the most. Yeah, because its library is almost immediate success. You've got the entire Walt Disney library, the Marvel library, exactly. and the Star Wars library all exclusively on. That's all bankable shit right out of the gate. Exactly. So, like, yeah. I, I well, feel like... I mean, and let's be honest about it. All this revenue can be made from families it's very family friendly and they're gonna love that shit i mean yeah there i mean there's a hard time finding family friendly stuff on netflix i mean there's a handful i'm not gonna lie but come on it's disney right <laughs> so right. and i just i think it's it, it's gonna be brilliant and then this week also the ceo of hulu was extremely excited because he announced that um, they're looking at ramping up all kinds of original content now that Disney's in charge. Yeah. Apparently, Disney has informed them that they plan on implementing a bunch of new original content for Hulu. It was so funny, yeah, seeing that shit because we've been calling that for months. Oh, yeah, like the, yeah. seeing the fucking headline, it was like Hulu plans to work with Disney for original content. We're like, no shit, we've been talking about that exactly, forever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we all knew that Disney was going to utilize Hulu in that type of a way. Exactly. They're going to put all their licensed content and all their hits on Disney Plus. They're going to do the original content and the and the more edgy adult stuff on Hulu. Exactly. And it, and, I mean, and they're going to kick ass. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, anybody who didn't see that coming, you should have been listening to us. Exactly. We, we said that was coming. Exactly, I mean. exactly. Well, this next one is kind of sad to hear because you attended one of these conventions. Yeah. Like the Walker Stalker Con, man. Like, apparently it's not doing so well. No, yeah, apparently the company is facing bankruptcy mm. although they deny it yeah they are wholeheartedly denying it but uh walking dead stars including kari payton and cooper andrews have are stated that they're no longer going to attend uh the walker stalker conventions and we should say this is walker stalker and slash heroes hire um the, the ones who do all the cw superhero mm-hmm. shows and all that they they do these conventions too um and part of it but apparently according to them they're not getting paid um, for yeah, their appearances. See, that, that, that's a no-no. <laughs> yeah, the heroes... These guys get, like, a lot from these conventions. So, uh, yeah, I don't blame them. Right, like, like you said, I went to one, and the amount of people that were there literally was more than the entire state of where I lived. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, it was just more people than I had ever seen yeah. prior to. And and it's div- such a shame, too, because when you came back from that, you said you generally f- you genuinely felt like the actors enjoyed being there with oh, the fans. Well, and they do. Yeah. It, the interaction is amazing. In, in fact, Norman Reedus, Daryl, he had so many people there to see him mm-hmm. that he literally refused to, to, even though his people were trying to move yeah. him out, he refused to leave until he saw every single person that had paid to That's take a crazy. picture with him and get an autograph that with him. Crazy. He stayed there until like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and had to be right back there at 8 a.m. for his next appearances. That's how committed the stars yeah. are. And, yeah, the back and forth and the time that they have, 
But when you're putting in that type of a commitment, and look, the tickets are not cheap. Yeah. It is not cheap to take a picture with the stars. It right. is not cheap to even go to the thing. The three day passes are like extremely expensive. Yeah. So Walker Stalker Con slash Heroes and Villains, they're making a boat ton of fucking money. Yeah. So if they're not paying the stars that are appearing and they're facing bankruptcy, where the fuck is that money going? Exactly. Because like I said, the amount of people that I saw there and I'm multiplying in my head how much I know I paid for my shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that many people, and and they had the VIP gold and platinum shit. Yeah. I just had like I can't afford that. I'm getting the basic general shit. general admission. <laughs> <laughs> like why are they in trouble? Yeah, the exactly. Why and aren't I you mean, paying the people? The chief, the convention chief, uh, James Fraser. There, he's denying these rumors of bankruptcy. But I mean, of course, you're gonna deny that shit. Yeah, he says all the moves being made internally are for the best moving forward, mm -hmm. and it's all for, no. Like, obviously not when you're the main attraction, the stars are pulling out. Yeah, and so. remember, Dave Solo, who was longtime host for the Walker Stalker Kit, he left a couple years back, oh, and I'm wow. wondering if that had anything to do yeah. with that. Like, um, you know, because, I mean, he was huge and instrumental in getting so many of the stars there in, yeah. in the interview. I just... I don't know. That really sucks, man. That really sucks. But, I mean, some more things that suck for the state of Atlanta. Tiffany Haddish has canceled her upcoming stand-up show at the Fox Theater in response of Georgia's heartbeat bill. Now, we've been expecting this, honestly, with all these people pulling out of Atlanta with their comedy shows and their productions. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Perry's next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tyler and Tyler Perry is entrenched there. I exactly. Mean, own several studios there um and and produces a ton of stuff out of there um warner media netflix and disney as you guys know if you listen to our show they've all said that they plan on pulling out of georgia if the bill is not defeated if it does indeed stay law they plan on pulling out yeah um so jj abrams has been filming there and jordan peele but so many man the way they're getting around it is they're donating all of the profits made from their projects that they're filming there to fight against the, the law against yeah. the bill um but even they said i think after their commitments are done there they're they're yeah. done there too i mean it's such a double-edged sword because yes that's super fucked up make a statement like completely back out of the state altogether but there are also such amazing talents like Jason Warner Smith and like Joshua McHale who reside there exactly who are just amazing actors and all those crew members and all that they're not going to have any work they're yeah. going to have to outsource which is pushing more people to places like New Orleans Vancouver yep. New Mexico and LA yeah I mean the the amount of people below the line that you know rely on on paycheck to paycheck they're not making all these these, these huge dollars that's going to dry up. And, I mean, I feel like, yeah, those people, they're, they're going to be hurt. So that there's, there's, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's good and bad. Yeah, seriously. It really is. <laughs> I mean, jumping around a little bit, because we were talking about how New Orleans is about to gain another show with Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad's Brian Cranston, Your Honor, and it's going to be a Showtime show. It's headed to New Orleans to start filming this fall in September and it's just like I feel like that's another missed opportunity now that of course this show is based in New Orleans um, like the whole setting is in New Orleans 
but I still feel like they are missing out on huge opportunities because of this law. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, it's ramping up. Look at the huge success that Cloak and Dagger has had. Yeah. Um, the the Bonnie and Clyde one with um Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner that they just shot. The uh, Highwaymen. The Highwaymen, right? Yeah. Uh, for Netflix, it it's doing phenomenal. Walking Dead has filmed a lot of stuff there lately. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans was, b- before Georgia took off, was the place in the yeah. South to shoot. And I feel like they're going to they're gonna be again because, you're right, everybody from Georgia is going to flee back to Louisiana. And uh, that's... I mean, it sucks. I mean, Atlanta really did turn into Hollywood South there for a while. A good five years. But now, it look, I feel like everything is just going to migrate back to New Orleans. Yeah, and, and th- thankfully... You know, Louisiana had a, a new governor that understood the importance of the film industry and, and has been working hard to reestablish the film industry there. So, yeah. good for him. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Well, this next one, I, it's super crazy how successful this guy is because, like, he has so many things on TV on so many different networks. But Dick Wolf, a veteran TV producer he is best known for his law and order franchise of course he's about to have a crossover crossover shows crossover network it's super crazy i don't even understand how like a deal like this even formulates i don't know i mean cbs tried it once before with um the the cw with Mm -hmm. supergirl and flash when supergirl for anybody who doesn't remember the first season was actually on cbs before it went over to the cw yeah but the CW is, is partly owned by CBS, so yeah. it was kind of like that made sense. But CBS and NBC in no way, shape, or form affiliated in yeah, ownership exactly. with each other. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea of this crossover between these two shows and two networks is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I mean, seriously. It's going to be between FBI and Law and & Order or between FBI's Most Wanted and Chicago or Law & Order Special Victim Unit or uh, Chicago PD. Right. So super crazy, like... To have that kind of power, I mean, but he's been doing this for 20-plus years. Oh, so. yeah, and I mean, it makes total sense for either one of those to be involved with the FBI. Yeah. You know, Chicago PD or Law & Order SVU would both make sense that, that the FBI, be it FBI, which was going into its second season, um, which if you haven't checked that out, check it out. Our, our good buddy James Chen is on that. And Definitely. Fantastic show. Yeah. Um, and then the spinoff that's coming with Julian McMahon, FBI Most Wanted. Exactly. So, uh, which will be a fresh. I think it's safer to probably do FBI since yeah. it's already established, you know, and you can kind of play it a little yeah. bit better than just throwing the the rookie season FBI right. Most Wanted into it. Right. But um, I don't know. I I will say that his crossovers on NBC when he does the crossovers between um. Law and Order SVU and the Chicago PD stuff, yeah. and even back when he would do Law and Order and Law and Order SVU, right? Um, or God, who remembers Homicide? You know, Homicide <laughs> way back with Andre Brower. And yeah, stuff. they they used to do crossovers there. Um, so he's been extremely successful doing those. Yeah. So if he can kind of keep that, you know, going back and forth, but now yeah. cross network. I mean, it it's gonna be super crazy when we get to that level of success to where we're like, yeah, we want to take our TNT show and put it on like USA or yeah. something crazy yeah. like that. I mean, that. it's gonna be. But Dick Wolf, man, he's uh, yeah, got a lot seriously. of power. I hear he's a sneeze a coming on. I hear a sneeze coming on. No, no, on. I'm getting, getting, getting. <laughs> oh, got, man. That, but, you know, when you're, I feel like there's a handful of television producers who 
warranted that type of a power. Yeah. Uh, way back, Aaron Spelling, you mm-hmm. know, before he passed. But yeah. you've got uh, Donald Belisario, who created, I mean, Airwolf and NCIS yeah. and JAG and, like, all the spinoffs ever. I right. mean, you've got these handful of people that just, like, they have so much power because they've produced hit after hit after hit that I feel like the networks are like, whatever you want to do exactly (laughs) you know exactly and i mean speaking of power jj abrams and his bad robot oh Mm. man they're in final talks with warner media about coming over there for a half a billion dollars yeah 500 million smackaroos that i mean and and, and keep in mind keep in mind if you guys listen to the show and i'm gonna keep saying that because you should be listening to the show yes of course you know that they already got greg berlanti for a mega 400 million dollar deal for tv now they're gonna get bad robot for tv and film which is just insanely crazy to me but uh you know he's hanging a shingle there now although he does some projects outside but the majority of it and they're keeping him i mean their ceo made no qualm about they're trying to keep him in the family here stay here Um, but it's super awesome because they're also letting him still work with apple and disney Yes, yeah, he I mean obviously he's doing the, the the latest Star Wars film. So so they don't have a problem with that, although I'm betting after, after that, that he's probably done, it with, might Disney. Be done with Disney. Yeah. Um that makes sense. But with Apple, apparently Apple was like right there and kind of gunning at Warner Media yeah. and JJ was considering Apple. Yeah. Um and Warner made the stipulation that look, if you come here, we're, we're going to allow you to still work with Apple, still right. still do the couple projects that you have with Apple and we're okay with that and I think that's what sealed the deal kind of. So Yeah. Um, Super mm. crazy, man. (laughs) They need it. I mean, look, Warner's entering into this streaming thing, and they're already fucking it up with DC Universe. Yeah. You know, they're trying to figure out the whole DC movie thing or whatever, but, uh, you know, hopefully... They're hoping anyway that Friends, you know, yeah. which is a Warner Brothers yeah. produced show, ends up there. But yeah, they're gonna need J.J. Abrams because yeah. he's a powerhouse guy and he's gonna he's gonna deliver for them. So this is a smart move, I think. Yeah, and I mean, even uh, Bob Greenblatt came out earlier, uh, Warner Brothers CEO, right? He yep. came out earlier this week talking about it, saying it was like an arms race to keep him there. Like they just wanted to keep him home. Yeah, yeah. He said that the uh, amount of content that's being generated. Is in his opinion, they're they're like every time somebody announces a new show, somebody else has to announce a new yeah, show. Basically. And he feels like they're they're. The, it, you said it perfectly. He 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 compared it to an arms race and said, you know, whatever you can do, we can do. And he feels maybe they're producing this content faster than they should. Yeah. And that the quality of the shows might be suffering for that reason. Well, we talked about it. I mean, just watching that do- uh, documentary side by side with Keanu Reeves, like the more technology. Uh, grows the more people get impatient and the more the quality dilutes yeah 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 and and you're missing out on the art of it exactly i think you know it's great that you can do all this stuff but if you lose the whole point of it which is the art Mm -hmm. the actual you know i I mean then what's the point exactly and yeah I, i i don't disagree with him yeah and then speaking of let's just spin this because we said we think he might be done with disney afterwards well we think that disney might be going after jj's people yeah like fine you can go to warner but we're gonna go by yourself (laughs) yeah because lucasfilm president kathleen kennedy announced that michelle rowan um, is going to be the senior vice president of live action development and production for Lucasfilm. Yeah. Now, 
Rowan is a producer on the upcoming Star Wars movie with J.J. Abrams, with Rise, of, Rise of Skywalker. She was also a producer on The Force Awakens, which J.J. did, uh-huh. and was a co-producer on Star Trek Into the Darkness and an associate producer on Super 8. Super all crazy. Of which, so clearly <laughs> an established confidant of J.J. Abrams, yeah. works closely with J.J. Abrams, but is going to Disney. Yeah. And I feel like that's the first of many that I feel like Disney and maybe even a couple of the others are going to start cherry picking away from JJ yeah. since he's going to Warner. Like Exactly. This whole picking and cherry, yeah, you know, so I was like, just about to it's say crazy. it's like between everybody. It doesn't matter if they're executives for streaming services or if they're filmmakers working with other filmmakers. Like they're just trying to pick the best people and all right, if you're not going to come with us, then we're going to take your second in command exactly like it's exactly. super crazy because i mean I, I think everyone is aware that when you reach the level that jj abrams is at and and some of the yeah. people like we've been talking it's because you've surrounded yourself with brilliant people agreed who do their jobs brilliantly and make you look good not exactly. that the, that the person isn't talented themselves right, right. but in order to reach that level exactly. you have to have a team a in place strong that, a team. strong support yeah. team that gets you there and when that starts breaking apart you got to start Going after other people, and I mean, that's going to be... Yeah, man, it's a lot of controversy. It's a lot of controversy. And I mean, speaking of controversy, (laughs) I mean, I know you watched this one. I did. I did. I I saw all the the heat that it was taking, Mm and um, so I had to check it out for myself. We're talking, of course, about Euphoria, Mm -hmm. a new series on HBO. Uh, and yeah, I mean HBO for many, 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 many years, the groundbreaker. You yeah, know, the, they were the, the head of the pack, was, yeah, delivering the series that With everybody tried. With the original content, to. yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and then finally a couple of years ago, Netflix moved past them in the yeah. old Emmy race, and uh, you know, started taking some steam out of HBO, but. HBO took a little dig back, saying uh-huh. that their series was makes um, 13 Reasons Why on Netflix look like a ABC after-school special. <laughs> um, they, apparently, okay, if for anybody who doesn't know, Euphoria it stars Zendaya and Maude Apatow, uh, Judd Apatow and uh, uh, Leslie Mann's daughter. And it's pretty intense. It, it's, it's basically all about, it's done by um, Barry Levinson's son, Sam Levinson. And it's basically a look at drugs and growing up in the industry and society the way it is today. Yeah. And so it's a hardcore look at, it's, it takes, they're all teenagers. While not all the actors are, we should say not all the actors are actually teenagers, but they're playing teenagers. So it's a hardcore look at drugs, sex, um, alcohol abuse, mental abuse, um, fit, fit, uh, being a teenager. And the rape, the first episode was like everywhere. I mean, there was a, there was graphic rape scene of a transgender, graphic drug use. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I'm going to because you know the show is filled with spoilers. <laughs> My mind blew when Zendaya's character goes – she comes out of rehab and she goes right back to her dealer. Yeah. And they're all like, what are you doing? And she's like, what? You think because I went to rehab I stayed clean? Right. You know, kind of a thing. And she walks into the – the dealer's like 10. Yeah, man. Her like literal drug dealer is like thugged up, got the tats under his eyes. Yep. He's all like – he's – and he's like crazy. talking his shit and he's laying it out for and saying and i'm just like what the fuck but am that, i watching but that's great because that's a real description of what's going on little wayne a rapper he started selling cocaine when he was 10 yeah so so i, I mean, mean yeah it was and i mean a lot of heat was taken for the graphic rape scene yeah i gotta say 
I thought watching the suicide scene in 13 Reasons Why, where Catherine Langford slits her wrist, yeah. far more graphic and disturbing to watch than this rape scene. Yeah. Um, I thought it was done in a way that got its point across, yeah. but did not do it in a way where you would be like just totally disturbed yeah. and like, oh, well, what what are you doing? Like, How I have to turn dare? this off. Right, like, yeah. right. I, I, I think the show is brilliant. Yeah. I thought... All the actors were phenomenal. The storyline seems to be really, really strong. Yeah. Um. I, I think the writing and the directing was fantastic. And Zendaya just knocked it out of the park. In fact, the entire cast, the young cast, just knocked it out of the park. Now, warning for anybody who's listening that might have kids who are big Zendaya fans from Spider-Man and all the stuff she's done in the past. Not a kid show. Not a kid show. Yeah. I mean, Zendaya is shooting up and she's snorting and she's drinking and she's having sex and she's, you know... um. This is not a show like if you if your young kids are Zendaya fans from anything she's done in the past, you might not want to let them watch this particular show. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be a huge hit yeah. for HBO. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm excited. It, I should say that it did not debut very well. Five hundred and seventy-seven thousand viewers, well below the one and a half million for the second season of Big Little Lies. It did bump up to a million after the uh, um, premiere night viewership with linear replay, mm -hmm. which is like if you watch it on your phone, HBO Go or something. Right. You know, so it did jump up to a million, but far less than what they were, had hoped for. But I think that was part of it due to the negative controversy. There was a lot. There was a there lot was, happening was, on Twitter, man. Like they were not having any of it. So I, yeah, no, I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, and you know, I got to be honest. I think after. I think it's going to increase in the ratings in the second episode yeah. because I think the people that did see it will come out and say, "Hey, hey, this is this is relevant. This is what's going on. Mm -hmm. This is a stark look at reality for young people in today's age, and it's done tastefully. And maybe you should watch it. And I think that's going to help boost the ratings, in my yeah. opinion. My yeah. Opinion. Well, I mean, you were talking earlier about Netflix, the ones who steamrolled past. Uh, HBO, and you, we were talking about last week how the Stranger Things character Dustin uh, Gatton Matarazzo, I butcher that probably every time, <laughs> um, how he was going to have a new prank show and how there was some controversy around it. Well, a spokesperson came out and said, the pranks in the prank show are over-the-top and spooky, supernatural and over-the-top, and all the participants were expecting this to be like a one-day hourly gig, and everybody was paid for their time, so... Hopefully, now that that has come out, that everybody will give this thing a chance. Yeah, I, and I think so. I mean, so I think what he's basically trying to say is that these people probably five minutes in realized that something ain't right. Maybe yeah, this is a goof because right. it was so over the top with the yeah. supernatural and the kind of stuff that maybe they could figure it out. Yeah. And But either way, even if they didn't and they were horribly pranked and were just devastated that they didn't have a real job, they got paid. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure they got paid well. Exactly. And so, you know, I yeah. feel like um, Netflix should have came out when they first announced this project, they should have came out and said it was like a supernatural prank show or something like yeah. something along those lines to give the people more hope that it wouldn't be as cruel as what they are making it out to be. Yeah, because the initial pitch, to, you know, to the public on it, it, yeah, it just made it sound like, well, that's fucking awful. Yeah. Why would we watch that? Like, well, damn. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, um, and speaking of Netflix, though, I mean. The, Comedy may be suffering a bit at the box office. We've yeah. seen, you know, the romantic comedies not doing as well as they used to. And, yeah. you know, the big buddy cop movies and all that kind of now. But for Netflix, they're kicking ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler's new one, Murder Mystery, 
30.87 million viewers, making it the biggest opening weekend for a Netflix film on, on the streamer. Um, yeah, that's crazy. So it broke down to like 13 point, uh, 13 and a half million in the US, Canada, 17 and a half million outside. Um, that's crazy. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think it's because of Jennifer Aniston. Because I heard this film fucking sucks. <laughs> I've heard so too, but she has quite the following from yeah, the Friends. Exactly. Uh, and we all know Friends is huge on Netflix. From the Friends? So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> from the Friends. Yeah, but yeah, um, I just like. I think Adam Sandler's only doing it for the money now, man. Well, he signed that huge deal. What was it, like six movie deal or yeah. something like that? And it was like an insane amount of money. And now yeah. he's just, this this is a prime example, probably, of what um, Greenblatt from uh, AT and T, Warner Media, was talking about. Just pumping shit out. Just bad uh, content. You know, bad content bad. because you have to put it out. Exactly. And uh, in my opinion, bad bad move. Yeah, seriously. Well, I don't know if you watched his stand-up special that he put on Netflix. That shit was awful. It was literally cut after cut to different jokes at different venues. Like, this motherfucker recorded himself doing stand-up comedy at different venues, but for each joke, he cut to a different one. That Just, doesn't even sound good. It doesn't. Like, it's so bad. And I, I don't understand. Netflix is so, as of late, hit and miss. Agreed. Like... They'll have the brilliance of my next guest with David Letterman. Yes. And then have that fiasco with Adam Sandler's stand-up. And you, and you just wonder, like, like, how can you come out and just slam it with one and then just totally fuck it up on the next? I know. They're canceling shows that are huge hits. Yeah. They're renewing shows that nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. And, like... I don't know if you saw they canceled that one show, uh, Chambers. I yeah. think it, after, the first, yeah, after season, the first season, like what the hell, guys? I, it I makes... still it seems like every week that we talk about it on this show, there's another show to be talked about being canceled by Netflix. Right, and and, and it's just I don't know. There, look, they're signing people left and right, right now, right, to, to create content, but. I mean, I don't know how they're signing these people because I'd be going in skeptical, like, okay, I'm going to create content. Or what, are you going to cancel uh, yeah, after like, one what season? The hell? Like, or am I being brought on for, you know? I know. I, yeah, I would be very weary about all that shit. But, I mean, they did they did make a good announcement this week. Janet Mock, director, producer, and writer Janet Mock, has signed a sweeping deal at Netflix, making her the first ever out transgender woman to empower the company with creative shots and major content for the company. I'm really excited for this because yeah. I haven't seen any of her work. Yeah, well, she's currently the executive producer and director on Pose. Uh, yeah. So if you're not familiar with that, Ryan Murphy's uh, show. Okay. Um, and she's also going to be working on a new show with him uh, called Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And Netflix has allowed her to be able to continue to do that That's as cool. well, yeah. even though she's signing on. Um, so, yeah, she, she garnered a lot of attention from Post. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that's where Netflix was like, you know, hey, let, let's try to do this. Yeah. Um, uh, they, so they brought her on uh, mainly for a TV series projects and, of course, to give her some film options as well. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's a huge move for the uh, LGBTQ community yeah. and for transgender and equality. Um, and I, look. Kudos to Netflix for making it happen. Yeah. Uh, huge congratulations to Janet. I, yeah. I think it's well-deserved. Um, 
and and we'll see where it goes. I yep, mean, you seriously. know, hopefully she knocks it out of the park and delivers some. Str- exactly. They're gonna need some strong content. Exactly. And hopefully they don't cancel her shit after a season. <laughs> exactly. You know I mean? Seriously. Look, if she puts something on there and people like it, leave don't cancel it. it. Seriously, <laughs> like <laughs> Jesus Christ. But I mean, it's not all good for Netflix this week, is it? I uh, mean, we talked about Bright, um, possibly Bright Two. Well, that's probably gonna be stalled now due to this douchebag. Yeah. The, the, this is. It, we keep talking about this every week on the show. It I seems know. like it's always a new person, always. which is even more disturbing. It's yeah, not like we're so just bad. talking about the same person. It's new person, Max Landis, son of comedy director John Landis, um, and like Logan said, was the screenwriter for Bright and American Ultra and Chronicle. I loved Chronicle, by the way. Thought it was a brilliant film. Um, and Josh Trank came out and said he banned Max Landis from the set. Wow. Wouldn't even let him near uh, back, even back then. Um, he has been accused, Max Landis has been accused of sexual and emotional abuse mm. by at least eight women in an expose published by the Daily Beast. Um, and rape, too, right? Rape, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and the f- emotional abuse is apparently this one woman who, after he raped her, he made her look at and showed her that he keeps a list of all of the women that, that he's slept with and or raped and he ranks them based on how good it was or how or how bad it was Goodness. and whether they were decent or not decent or good looking or bad looking and i'm just like what a fucking it makes me bag. sick to my stomach to even hear that shit man i don't understand why do these people i made this tweet earlier this week why do these people who get a little bit of power who get a little bit ahead think they can take advantage of someone who is beneath them right it, it's it's disgusting it, it, it's yeah and the fucked me... up thing is it's happening more often than not in the entertainment industry right. so it is causing a black light on the entertainment industry and on hollywood it's yeah. making all the entertainers look bad which not all of us are like that exactly exactly and and yeah it makes me vomit honestly it may it, it literally just makes me vomit to think that this guy has been doing it for as many years as he's been doing it exactly. and getting away with it and and that it, you know it's fine we should say and kudos his manager dropped him thank goodness got rid of him um thank you uh, because apparently i i have not heard him at least to this point uh deny, deny it. it or say anything you know like and I'm sure we're going to hear the, the generic bullshit, it was consensual, everything kind of like, dude, you don't keep lists of women of your conquest, right. bro. You don't, you don't, yeah, I just. What makes me so upset about all these stories is I feel like not enough of these are being approached with legal action. You're right, right. And and I don't know if that's because a lot of these women are coming forward anonymously. Right. You know, because if you're going to file a legal suit, you somebody's got to come forward and so i feel like maybe they feel like if they do it anonymously they can call the guy out and expose him but then i mean if you don't because there needs to be an investigation like what the hell if you are saying this but at like double-edged sword we need to know we need to know the proof so there needs to be a legal investigation that's followed out to see if he's proven innocent or guilty and and then just Look though how how hard that is. Look, look, the Weinstein stuff is still, still happening, still going on, and he's still making deals. Yeah, he's still having charges dropped. He's still trying to finagle so and wiggle up. and get it, get himself out of it. I mean, to date, the only one I can think of 
is is Bill Cosby that's yeah. actually seen jail time, exactly. actually seen a conviction for this ridiculous shit that they've been doing. Exactly. I mean, you, you know, we need more of that. We yeah. need more people to say, no, sir, this is not okay. Yeah. You are, you are not allowed to do this. Exactly. And you're right. They're tarnishing the industry. They're tarnishing people like ourselves who do not condone no. and would never condone and will never condone behavior like that. This is an industry that thrives on teamwork. Agreed. And 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 propping each other up, not exactly. tearing each other down or using your position to belittle people and or worse, physically and emotionally traumatize exactly. people. It's just it's disgusting and it needs to stop. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I mean, let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's lighten it up a little bit. Paranormal activity, guess what? There's going to be a seventh installment. Mm. Holy shit. Why? Why so many? It's like the Saw series. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know why this happened? Why? Because of Jason Bloom. Really? Bloom, they're partnering, apparently. They said that they are partnering with uh, Jason Bloom to bring the new installment. Uh-huh. And it's because, as anybody knows, Bloom and Bloomhouse. They've been killing they're, they're, it with they're, the they're, horror. Yeah. They make them dirt cheap. Yeah. They make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And so... Paranormal followed kind of that anyway, Mm -hmm. but I mean, Jason Bloom has figured out how to do it with quality films. Right. You know, so it isn't just like, here's a camcorder, let's do it. So they, they feel like. He can he can revive this franchise because the last couple mm, not so good right but maybe they feel like hey bring Uber in yeah. uh, you know Uber producer Jason Bloom and he knows what he's doing Bloom House boom so I mean the, on the last one we went and saw what what was that uh, I fed the one that was for five million that did with the dude that kind of looked like uh, Tom Hardy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, one yeah. was really good. It was really good. Yeah. But then the one we saw before that with Lucy Hale, Truth or Dare, not that, so good. Not so good. And that was a Bloom one. Yeah. Uh, you know, now look, he's had some great ones, Insidious and like all these. Uh, like, right. A Bloom House has, has put out a lot of awesome shit. I agree. But even, you know, even when you're that good, you know, Jason's got to miss hit sometimes. Yeah. And look, I love Lucy Hale. Uh, we love Violet Bean. Yeah. They had a great cast. Just was not that good. Agreed. I mean, sometimes a great cast can't save it. I mean, um, it so is what it is, man. It is we'll what see. it is. Me personally, I, I'm kind of done with. I, I could care less if they give us a Paranormal Seven or right. Not. I I'm mean, just, honestly, mm. let's come up with a new idea of a horror movie. Honestly, I'm yeah. just looking for that. I'm still looking for the next horror movie that will scare me. Yeah. Because it's been, it hasn't been there for the last I'm, while. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm ho- yeah, see, because even it, as phenomenal as it was, yeah. was more a psychological thriller as opposed to a horror Well, it movie. seems like a lot of those are like that. They're more yeah. thriller than they are actually – I mean, but I am I like pop-out scares. I, I want to jump. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't see that anymore. Hopefully, maybe the Shining sequel. That trailer yeah. was pretty that creepy. That was badass. It was creepy as well. Yeah. Uh, old Red Rum Danny Torrance uh, is back. Yeah, uh, if you haven't seriously. Check out that trailer if you haven't seen it. And apparently, Stephen King has signed off off on it nice very happy with it very very uh, you know so i'm excited about that one but again i feel like maybe potentially more a, a thriller than a horror so yeah. i don't know i don't well, know we'll see just stop with all the remakes right all right now we got the one and only laura niemi coming on today for our guest segment i'm so excited to talk to her because she's milo's mom from this is us i mean seriously uh-huh. like uh, I, okay, one, you know all the fans of our show that are This Is Us fans, especially all the female fans, are, are like, oh, we need to know everything about Milo. Yeah. I mean, that's so funny. So that's going to be exciting. I am excited, though, because, you know, her very first role on TV was Josh Whedon's Firefly, and I was oh. a huge fan of Firefly.
Firefly. Yeah. Plus, she's like in theater. She's got her own production company. She's doing a show. I mean, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to her about the jobs with Ashton Kutcher. Oh, my she gosh. She was in that one. She was in Young and the Restless, Weeds. Well, I mean, what has she not been uh, in? Right, seriously. Like, I mean, just about everything. So let's yeah. give her a call. Oh, here she is. Laura, how are you today? Welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Hey guys! Thanks for having me. Uh, that she sounds like a woman yeah, that is she, already ready for the weekend. Yeah, she's ready. She's I really along the craziness. Getting, the, getting my BBQ on. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, we are super excited to talk to you today. We've got a huge block of This Is Us fans and Milo fans to to say the very least. So they are super yeah, excited that you're coming true. on. Oh yay! <laughs> but I'm really excited because there's a lot of stuff when we were doing the research on you uh, to, uh, to have you on. And there's a lot of stuff that we're really excited to talk to you about. I mean, Firefly and Sopranos and, and the theater stuff that you got going on. A lot of stuff that we're pretty stoked about. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. All yep. right. So I guess we're going to start off with how you kind of got bit by the acting bug and how you decided this is what you wanted to do for a living. And it looks like uh, you started off pretty early, right? Like before you were even 10 years old. You know, Yes and no. I mean, in, in terms of um, the performing arts, yes, because I, I started uh, m my musical life early. Um, but uh, in terms of acting and, and whatnot, I'm actually kind of a late bloomer. Okay. So, yeah, so I started, uh, I always thought music was going to be, you know, the, the, the thing that I did. Um, and I started young. Piano was my first instrument. And then uh, later in my teens, I started um, performing with bands. Uh, I picked up a guitar and, and eventually it led to, to, to playing bass, big guitar. And so I was in different bands in my, uh, you know, like 1920s and, you know, uh, deep in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, but through the whole time, I'd always studied you know i'd always taken dance and acting classes uh there was a performing arts institute where i lived and and but it wasn't something that it was just for the love of it you know it wasn't something that i thought oh this is my career right you know, like a lot of actors you know started out and they you know they always knew and you know then they went to juilliard and that was <laughs> the trajectory of my career absolutely yeah let's talk about the music a little bit because it's impressive yeah you, uh, you went to uh, rochester new york the eastman school of music for the piano so that's impressive right out the gate but i gotta ask you know rock band spork and you toured with marilyn manson right that's true oh uh, yes, what was that did. like that's got to be pretty badass <laughs> Um, what was it like? Uh, well, it was, you know, as you would expect, it was rock and roll crazy. It was uh, <laughs> full tilt boogie. There you, you go. Know? It was, uh, you know, he's great. He's, you know, he's just an incredible performer and songwriter. And, uh, you know, to, to be on that tour was, uh, was pretty cool because we were kind of, of uh, an underdog art band so to even get that gig was a big deal mm -hmm. in hindsight i wish we would have appreciated it more because <laughs> shortly thereafter spork spork uh disbanded but mm -hmm. um we uh yeah you know it was it was it was just so cool to to, to be able to uh to perform with them yeah i bet absolutely so and their fans who are uh, you know crazy crazy cool <laughs> can only imagine, yeah. honestly. So do you think that the, the music background is what kind of led to the theater? How, how did you make the transition from, from playing with Marilyn Manson to theater? Well, I always like to say uh, 
music became something that wasn't conducive to my mental health. <laughs> <laughs> so let's so, do uh, acting. You know what, actors, come on, actors take care of themselves. They <laughs> eat good food, they work out all the time. They were, they're healthy. Most That's of true. them are pretty healthy. That's true. So, uh, you know, it, uh, y- you know, I was, I was kind of a late bloomer. Like I said, I, I had been studying. I, I got this job in my twenties at a theater um, called the Odyssey Theater, which I attribute so many great things in my life to because that's where I met my husband. That's where I uh, joined my first theater company. Um, that's where I learned about incredible playwrights, experimental theater. Just I was in the trenches in theater, and so I just got bit. I got bit so hard, and I. Um, I fell in love and then eventually I started my own theater company and that got uh, some nice success. And, you know, look, I live in Los Angeles. This is a, you know, TV town. Hell <laughs> so, yeah. I, I love that. And we should say that the, the Odyssey, what a, what a venue to, to like break ground at and, and learn the craft at. we were just out there. We saw um, too much sun out there just recently. And it was the first time we had been at the Odyssey. Yeah. And yeah, what a great place. It's just so cool, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's been around forever. That's that's what we so. heard, and yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, I I like that intimate setting and where you can you're too. right up there on the stage and you get that yep. reaction. Yeah, it's fantastic. And we should yep. say you're you're being a little modest. I mean, you you had a little success with with the theater. You're like award winning, right? <laughs> Your very first show won a, a couple awards, best production and best ensemble. So I'd say you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> it was pretty exciting. <clears throat> it was pretty exciting, and especially. You know, the Ovation Awards during that time, we were we were performing, uh, it was Killer Joe, we were performing in, you know, a 40-seat venue. Yeah. And so when we were nominated, we were up against the Taper and the Geffen and mm. all these really prestigious playhouses that have, you know, huge budgets. Right. And um, so to be able to, you know, sweep the awards during that time, they have since, the Ovation have, have since... Um, done different categories so now there's a equity waiver category and then there's a larger you know theater category but to have swept it when you know i was competing against you know lions it was it was pretty cool absolutely Yay for the underdog hey, that's yeah right always we're always for the underdog we love the I know, right <laughs> definitely definitely now let's talk about your transition into television a little bit your first role was in the cult classic firefly series what was that like First of all, I love that that was my first credit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's the coolest, right? Yeah. Is that the coolest Definitely. first credit? Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, I was so, so nervous. You know, and I say this a lot because I, I, I have such regret for the fact that I never told um, Adam Baldwin, who was my scene partner. I mean, you know, look, I was woman number one or something. I, yeah. you know, I, don't even, I can't even remember if I had a line. If I did, it was maybe a word. And, um, I didn't tell him it was my first, my first gig. And, you know, in hindsight now, cause I mentor actors in hindsight, I love it when an actor says, this is my first time, but I was trying to play it cool, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was just a miss, one of those missed opportunities that I use as an example when I mentor people, because, you know, people love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. You know, I got to work with a, a newbie on this is us and, you know, to be able to find out that was his first gig was mm-hmm. 
I mean, you just want to, you know, take them under your wing and say, let's do this. Yeah, there's an extra bond there, you know. Oh. It, it puts you in that place of remembering what it was like, you know. Right. So, Trying to be able to um, show and anything. And gratitude, can. right? You exactly. know, those first gigs are the, are the tough ones. So, you know, but it was an incredible experience. I mean, what can I say? I, I you know, I was getting fan mail for 10 years on that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, the my, show. My woman number one, maybe <laughs> one word gig. Well, you know, the show, I mean, still to this day has a huge following. And I mean, there's they're always talking about bringing it back as a film. Uh, so, you know, and, or rebooting the series, which I, I mean, I guess Whedon has expressed interest in. So you never know. Woman number one might make a comeback. Yeah, you don't know. exactly. You so? I'm rooting for her. I'm yeah. rooting for her. <laughs> I mean, Netflix needs some content. Let's start a campaign now because I love him. <laughs> the ha- hashtag woman number one. I mean, that's okay. We can totally do that. <laughs> so, yeah, and then you jumped. I mean, that that it clearly led to some stuff. I mean, like we said, you've been in some serious stuff. Uh, you know, Sunny in Philadelphia and The Sopranos and Justified and the NCIS franchises. I mean, that, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I feel very, very lucky. Very, very lucky. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to work with some amazing people. Well, le- okay, so le- let's talk, because like I said, we have a huge block of fans, and they all want to know how amazing is Milo, and what's that experience been like? We uh, we recently uh, interviewed Akira Akbar, who plays the uh, um, young, Beth. young Beth, and and she talked about a bit about what the set was like, and how it was. We love the show. We're huge fans. We just think it's groundbreaking about how they go from time set, you know, time frame to time frame, and, and character to character, and fan. It, it's just brilliant, in our opinion. Me too. I mean, so what's that like playing Milo's mom that that first of all, how did you learn about the role? How did that audition process go? And what was that like when you found out you got it and that you would be involved in this show? Well, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't really on my radar because I um, it it was in its first season and it was just getting some some by the time I went into audition because I went out to audition like everybody else. And it was just getting some some. some some street cred and and uh so of course before i went in i watched uh i watched some of the episodes and i was like oh my god and i already knew on the page even though it was a it the character wasn't really fleshed out that this was some incredible writing yeah right. and uh so by the time i went in i was like oh god this is just great Oh, how cool would this be to get mm-hmm. this gig? And uh, I resonated with the character. I, you know, as, as much as I could with the material I had. I mean, you know, it was, it, it, it was what it was. And then, you know, one of my favorite casting directors, who's just, you know, always has a warm and welcoming room. Just, uh, you know, it's, it makes it so much easier. And uh, yeah, so that's how I got it. And then, the, of course, the first season, you saw me just a teeny bit. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, I was lucky enough to to be able to get to flush out this character mm-hmm. this past season, which was, you know, a dream. Just oh, a dream. absolutely. The, the Vietnam storyline has been phenomenal. Yeah, so, seriously. I mean, it's gone over really well, learning so much more about Jack's family. So, Right? I know. So was I know. It, it's... Was it kind of a secretive type thing? I mean, where are do you guys only get what you, you what you're supposed to be your scene stuff? I mean, I know the, the secrecy of how did Jack die, and there's so many things that they're trying to keep or reveal slowly over the course. Is it much secretive to the actors, or are you privy to like all the stuff? Did you know how Jack died like well well before? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, they keep that. They keep that pretty locked down. Yeah. Um, no, they get, you know, you get the script. I know there's some, some shows where sometimes you just get the scenes, you know, they don't even, right. they, they don't, they're not, uh, they don't even give out the, the full script, which is hard. And I still don't understand that, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they are on lockdown with that stuff. And justifiably so, because it's, it spoils, you know, if that stuff leaks out, it spoils it for the audience. And, you know, oh, this, absolutely. Is really, this show is... Is such an audience favorite. It's, you know, why would we want to do that? Yeah, exactly. So were you a Milo fan? Were you a Gilmore Girls? Did you know him from Gilmore Girls? Or were you a fan before you started working with him? And what's he like? You know, so, uh, you know, when I went into audition, I I, uh, I saw his name pop up. And he wasn't uh, somebody I, I'd known. However, I had... Um, I had auditioned a couple times where his name had popped up to play his uh, aunt or his mom in, you know, during my, the course of my career. So I always like to say third's a charm because, <laughs> you know, by the time this came up, it was like, Oh, Oh yes. Yes. We do look alike. You know? Oh yes. I know this guy. Mm -hmm. he, he keeps kind of being my, in my peripheral. And you know, what, what can I say? He's just, just the loveliest, kindest, generous you know gracious guy you know just a, and a wonderful wonderful talent oh absolutely you got your guys chemistry on the show is, is phenomenal is. I, I gotta tell you that the relationship is believable uh, i'm sure that in part goes mm. to the writing but then the mm. acting between y'all as well yeah honestly yeah. in that hard situation between having a drunk father and then trying to have respect for his mother and their marriage and but also trying to help her out of it yeah it's crazy yeah yeah, and I attribute all that to the way they keep that set. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really, it's, I, mean, I know a lot of people say this, oh, the set is so great, it's family. really is, it really is. Everybody, Ken Olin, Dan Fogelman, they're all approachable, they're all easy to talk to, you know, they're all, you know, they're just, you know, the quintessential team players. Everybody's got the same goal, and, and you know, everybody's uh, just so excited still, you know what I mean? They're Absolutely. still excited to be there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, That's, yeah, which is great, and you can see that through uh, during, especially during award season when they're all circling around one table and just so excited on social media. I love that. Uh, yeah, right, absolutely, right. absolutely. And I Ken know, Owen. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I'm glad you there's brought no up cynical. There's no cynical jaded. Exactly, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Ken Olin because I was a huge fan of Thirty Something. So oh, I think too. his work uh, behind the camera is just phenomenal. I mean, it was oh, uh, good to see that transition. Yeah. He's just the kind of director that just makes you look better. Yeah. That's just that's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all Ken Olin. He's just, uh, of course, Dan Fogelman. I mean, you know, his, <laughs> his words are a genius. Yeah, but absolutely. Yeah, Ken Olin is just—he's a television treasure. Mm -hmm. He really is. He really is. I think so too. And I think he's a hell of an actor. I really enjoy watching him as an actor. So, you know, I hope that you know he does more in front of the camera too because. No. Yeah. I know that there was some, some social media stuff going on about a uh, thirty something mm -hmm. reboot. Right? I, I mean <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would, that would be incredible, right? I, I mean, just loved that show so much. Oh, me I was too. Such a fan of that show. Me too. And like you said, so, he is a great actor, and I thought he was a great choice as a director for this show because I think his experience yep. with the ensemble of thirty yep. something made yeah. him the perfect choice for the ensemble for this show. Perfect I think he just choice. gets it. Perfect yeah. choice. And it's very much in the style of how he comes to the table creatively as well. You know, as Absolutely. an actor, I mean, you know, if you look at his work, you can see, uh, you know who this guy is based on his resume. This is what he's going to bring. He's going to bring mm -hmm. honesty. He's going to bring heart. You know, it's just 
love him. <laughs> well, congrats on that. I mean, like we said, the show is just—it's killing it. It's—it's a fantastic. It's loved by the fans. I saw that it was recently renewed for another few years, so that's great. Uh, and so, yeah, congratulations uh, on the success of the show. We couldn't be more happy for you. Thank you. I just feel lucky to be a, a small part of it. It's very exciting. Oh, yes, I can only imagine. And now we got to talk about one of my favorites, and it's a freaking show that completely changed the game of television, The Sopranos. What was it like working on such an epic set like that for HBO? Well, you know, it was the episode where they came to L.A., so it was pretty cool because that, that obviously was you know, a, a dream gig to get, but they were always shooting in New York. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was like the likelihood of me being on that show was pretty slim. So yeah. when they, they got to LA, it was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, and I got to work with Ben Kingsley and, you know, it's, and Danny Lerner who has since passed. Yes. Um, oh. but, uh, you know, my husband and I re that, you know, once a year. Uh, absolutely. It's just so good. Because it's just, it's just, come on. I know. Yeah. Come on. It's, it's just some of the greatest television in history. It is. It really transformed everything, it honestly. Did. Are you excited about, about the prequel that's coming with, yeah. it, with his son? Very excited. And I can't wait. I'm just so, so glad that they, uh, they got his son to, you know, to, to do this. This is, this is going to be really special on so many levels, you know? Absolutely. So, yep. Absolutely. You know, I just so far in the interview, I just love you can tell not only are you great at what you do in the craft and, and uh, but you can just you're so passionate about being a fan yeah, of the work as so well. Enthusiastic. Yeah, which like, I yeah. think it is, gets me excited, honestly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I got to imagine somebody that that's is that excited about about that as a fan then going into it as your job. I, what what a way to approach it and be like, you know, I not only do I love doing this, but I love watching exactly. this. And it's like, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I feel that way about pretty much all, all the work. I mean, you know, some shows resonate with me a little bit more, but, you know, look, I mean, I've done, you know, episodic where, you know, whether it's Criminal Minds or, or NCIS, I mean, these are franchises that, like, I was in Turkey a few years ago, and somebody recognized me from The Mentalist. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like... Right on. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So cool that you know that's a that's a favorite here in Turkey. So um, you know, I love I love that. I love that aspect of it that you actually do the work and people get to watch it and in places that you know you didn't realize where it was so huge. You know, right. So, and yeah, I, I, and isn't it amazing though that the caliber of the shows these days, with the writing and with the storylines, that it can just be a guest spot in an episode, yeah. and you're recognized for that episode yeah. because it was that good. I mean, that's amazing. It really is. It really, really is. Oh, I mean, right now the writers are just. This is the era of the writer. You oh. know, it really. So, and it really does start there. So, agreed. Agreed. Well, I we would be killed if we wouldn't bring up this next one because our co-host who isn't here today, Tavia, she is absolutely in love with Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So what was that <laughs> I one know. like? I know. Is it the greatest? It's just what? so good. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I love that show. I love everything about that show, the history of that show, that how they got that deal. I love, you know, how they work that set. It is just so loosey-goose. Right? But yet, like... But, and playful and yet uh, a well-oiled machine at the same time, which, of course, you 
you know, those, those three things don't necessarily always go together. Exactly. But, um, yeah. But boy, when they do, it's magic. Cool. Though, right? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I look at that show as like motivation. Do what you love and love what you do. Things will just come together sometimes and just create, explode. Create, yeah, keep creating. Exactly. Keep creating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's good that she's gonna love to hear that. That that's yeah. how that is. Because yeah, like you oh. said, Tavia is just. She'll tell you the breakdown of how the show came together. Exactly. Yeah. Like, 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 she's, yeah oh she's yeah, 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 yeah. She's great. <laughs> but Danny yeah. DeVito is Wolverine, though. I'm just not sure. All right. Like, <laughs> the, uh, this petition going around like what are we talking about here danny devito is wolverine i know like, but come on it's danny devito <laughs> it is it's danny devito is, like <laughs> he's iconic it's so funny he's never boring no Can he's just a, say that he's never boring oh it would definitely not be a boring wolverine no, that's for sure. that's for sure <laughs> that's fantastic all right so let's jump into the netflix Yes. You know, we we hear good things, we hear bad things. People are excited about it. They make real movies, they make TV movies. Y- you are in a Netflix film that's getting ready to come out in December at the end of the year. Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, uh, I mean, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yes. I mean, when you start landing these names and these type budgets, and I mean, come on, that's a feature film. Yeah, this that's is not a, a TV real, movie. Yeah, I know, I know. But more, you know, the biggest thing for me was D. Reese. D. Reese, oh, D. Reese, yeah. D. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, she had, been on my, she, she, she had been in my peripheral from uh, a, a film she did called Pariah. Mm. And I was like, who is this filmmaker? Mm-hmm. This is incredible. She is definitely a visionary. And uh, then, of course, she got a lot of accolades for Mudbound, which was fantastic. Right. But what's so impressive about her, I knew she was a good writer, Um you know, based on, you know, the, the stuff that, that I had seen and a great director, but she, uh, this is, this, uh, this film is based on a, a Joan Didion novel, you know, very acclaimed author. And if you've ever, ever read anything by Joan Didion, you know, you read it and go, how is this going to be adapted? Right. Oh my God. Cause she has a special language in the way she writes mm-hmm. and the adaptation that Dee and her partner did was just incredible, just incredible. And so I, I, it was supposed to come out in spring, but now the fact that it's not coming out to December, I don't know. I think it speaks volumes of uh, award of season. What, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to put any, you know, no, come on, we, we know. Yeah, we know. I think it's pretty exciting. It's a testament. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our listeners are savvy. We're pretty savvy. We all know what December release means. We exactly. all know what, what they're right. going for there. I mean, and rightfully so. so. I mean, the, the cat, like I said, uh, yeah, D is a phenomenal, and Mudbound was fantastic. So we knew this thing coming out was going to be great. And then you right. talk about the right. cast that you're involved with. Yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. And I mean, talking about award season, what did you feel when Steven Spielberg was trying to get Netflix not eligible for the Oscars? How did you feel about that? You know, I'm really torn because I hear where he's coming from, but I also know where this this ship is sailing. Right. To. You know, it's like it just keeps moving. And that's the one thing about this business. you got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Things are going to change in life. Right. Everything just changes. Exactly. You can't get too dug in. And so um, but, you know, look, the, this is a filmmaker who, you know, spent his life with the 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 knowledge that his, his, his art is going to be on a big screen. Right. right. He wants to see, you know, his audience to see his art. And I can really, really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other side is, Hey, this train's rolling. Exactly. Got to hop on board. This is what's happening. And, you know, somewhere in, you know, Boise, Idaho, 
<laughs> where they, you know, they live in, you know, mm-hmm. in, you know, some rural area. They don't, they don't, they don't have access to those theaters. Exactly. So, so what does that mean? They don't get to see these things. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one, but I have to say, you know, look, if, if the rules are that, you, that it has to be released in a theater, which I think is fair, right? It is, yeah. first it has to be released in a theater and then, then it can, it can end up on, uh, on the boob tube, that's fine. You yeah. know, I think that's uh, I think that's fair uh, as we, long as it gets a release. Uh, Agreed. We yeah, we we completely agree with that assessment. That's our thought on it as well. And you know, you brought up a really good point because there are a lot of areas where you would have to drive 30, 40, 50 miles to get to a theater yeah, like, to to see a film. And I feel like, like that's, you have to make it an all day event. Exactly, and and that's a, so that's a great point, and this also a really good transition because speaking of how the industry is evolving, and you got to get on the train, and just whether you like it or not, it's changing. Social media and the huge impact that social media has had on this industry and all aspects of it. What what are your thoughts on that? Are you a fan? Not a fan? Do you think it's a good thing? A bad thing? Yeah, it's that again. That's that's a, that's a tough one. I plug in and out of different thinking on that because I'm married to a, a guy who can't stand it, hates it, you know, and understandably so. You know, I we go to dinner with friends and people aren't present because they're on their phones, mm-hmm. and you know, it just kind of it, it it we're we're lacking actually being present in mm-hmm. our life. So I have to be mindful of you know when I choose to do those things. But there's the other side of me that I love connecting with, you know, fans of the show mm-hmm. or people that I, you know, that I don't get to see as much and get to see what they're doing in their life. So it is a great way to stay connected. But, you know, I go back and forth. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm Switzerland over here. No. <laughs> I, I, I do. I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, I can't do this. I got to be present in my life. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll take a break and then. Other times I'm like, hey, what's so and so up to? I right. know. Yeah, I mean that's you know, what or we're... I want or I want to share something that that I've been doing, you know, or you know. Exactly. So. That, that that's the way we think about it too. It's very much a double-sided sword that even if you might post an opinionated opinionated post out there that you might get some backlash on it, but there is points where you still want to stay connected to somebody you haven't seen in like 15 years. So e- Exactly. Yeah, I stay pretty quiet politically and yeah, and uh, I, me too. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> honestly, I just don't want to get into a pissing contest. Exactly, I don't want to spend that much time on social media. You exactly. know what I mean? So that's why I avoid it. Not that I don't have an opinion; I have very strong opinions. But no, I, I really no, wanna, we could, we would have never guessed that you have strong opinions. Never. <laughs> You're very, you're very vocal. I can yeah. see that. There's no doubt. Um, so l- let me ask you from a, from another saying because we've had some guests on that that have that have referenced this, and then some others who have not. What has been your personal? Have you seen the industry? Has it with the casting process? And are they concerned about how many followers you have or yeah. don't have? Because we've seen it both ways with guests. So what what's your experience with that? Has that been a problem with you, or have you? I mean, you mentioned a great casting director earlier. So have you been able to avoid that stigma as of late, or how does that go? I don't really uh, put too much uh, too much weight on that stuff. I mean, uh, that's that's just not where my head goes. Uh, I've never personally been asked how many followers do I have, so that hasn't been my experience. I've heard of that uh, mostly from young ingenues, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, actors. But um, so 
you know, I can't really speak to that. And that, there you go. That's, that's good though. Yeah. Yeah. No. Honestly. And that, that, that coincides with exactly because it has been our younger actors yeah, who have said honestly. that they have been asked that and that it, that's been a reference point, but then the, the, the more experienced and, and people who've been in the industry for a while have not. So that, that coincides perfectly with what we've heard. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, good. Makes sense. It makes sense. God, I said something great. Okay, great. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and it just shows that you have actual talent. That uh, they don't even need to talk about social media. You have actual God-given talent. That there you go. Hey, look, I love to share stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not gonna play it cool. I love to share stuff. <laughs> you know, because I'm proud. I'm proud of you know Definitely, the, the fact yeah. that I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm in the trenches, and I you know I get to be involved with some wonderful projects so yeah i'm in the I, i'm in the game but you know it's just a game it's just it's just a fun thing that exactly. everybody does to kind of participate it's not uh you know anyway yeah no <laughs> well said, no, well said. Yeah, I, I, love, I love yeah. that yeah okay so now we should talk you've referenced writers and how important it is and it is the age of writers and everything we should mention uh, uh that you have a self-penned project a, a comedy short that you're also going to be directing talk about that is this oh, you're going to be your first move behind the camera or uh, i mean is, oh man is. exciting oh, God. <laughs> yes and, and let me tell you something fear is real i have been so afraid to get behind the camera for so many years uh just because obviously i've worked with some great you know directors so of course but uh yeah yeah i'm gonna stick my big toe in the water and and uh i have such funny friends i mean you know i have crazy talented uh comedic friends so and that is where you know i my heart soars you know in comedy but Mm -hmm. i love to do all of it you know it's just sometimes like you could like a lot of actors, their career goes in waves. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, she's the drama. She's the drama person. Oh, right. well, no, she's the comedy person. So, you know, you'll see on my resume, it kind of sways back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, okay, so comedy short. And I mean, I guess if you're going to, your directorial debut, it helps a little bit that you also wrote it. I mean, you can't be more familiar with the with the material than if you wrote it, right? Exactly. <laughs> and and so exactly. and, yeah, and you've cast phenomenal friends who are very funny, so that's going to help as well. I have no doubt yeah. just d- talking to you that it's probably going to be extremely successful because you clearly have passion for what you do and that's going to translate as a director, I'm sure. Thanks, buddy. Uh, can, I just take, can I can I just call you every day for you to say that on a loop? To me? Right, sure, absolutely. Yeah, that. <laughs> we'll we'll make a little clip of this. We'll send it to you. Just play it on Thank your phone you. whenever you need Thank it. Thank no. you. <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> so what what are the plan the festival circuit what what's the what's the process what you got planned for that well right now i'm, I'm going to shoot a, a film that uh, i've been hired to play in so that <laughs> right now is is the focal point i can't mm-hmm. really say anything about it yet of but course it's yeah, pretty course. exciting as we always so, say when we hear that that's just a reason to have you back exactly <laughs> oh hey 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 now yeah, <laughs> this, is a good one. this is a good one so i'm pretty excited about that so i'm just kind of prepping for that right now all right so how's life you know you sometimes you gotta just get flexible yeah absolutely you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about as simple as it gets, exactly. right? You got to be flexible. You're gonna, you're not gonna pass up the paying gig. Let's be honest about it. Right? Yeah. I mean. Oh no, 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 no! Especially not this one. Especially not this. One. Oh, see, now she's a she's the queen of the teas too. That's it, now it, it, I'm really excited it, about this say. one. It's, yeah. No, oh it's, goodness! Uh, and we see you also have a sketch comedy group that is contracted with Funny or Die Entertainment. That is so awesome. You know, it has since disbanded, but I'll tell you something. Uh, what 
and that's exactly uh, what the um, why it inspired me to to, to branch out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole bunch of our of my friends, three of my funny friends, got together and we started creating content, which I hope your listeners are doing as we speak. Yes, um, and. We just had a ball, man. We had a ball, and we just did it, did it for the, you know, for the fun and for the love of it. And we got some accolades for it, you know. We started uh, some getting some nice, some nice hits on Funny or Die, and eventually signed a little deal with them. And it has since disbanded. But um, I'm so proud of those those comedy shorts that we did. Definitely, uh, they're pretty. They, they make me giggle. So <laughs> they make me laugh. So and that's all that go. really matters. Yeah, and you know, you brought up a good point because we, we like to transition into, uh, towards the end of the interviews, uh, advice that you would have because we do have a lot of listeners who are attempting to get into the industry or have just gotten started in the industry and yeah. are trying to make their way. And you bring up a great point. We've heard this numerous times from multiple guests about we're in an era and in a time where technology allows you to be able to do what you couldn't do 20 years ago, and that's make your own content, make your own content, make your own content. Right. Um, yeah. so what advice would you have beyond? make your own content for people who are trying to get into the industry be it you know just starting out or music or television or movies what what do you think and not only advice that you would give but some of the pitfalls that maybe they could avoid well get a community going for sure that's a number one get a group of you know fellow artists going asap these are people that you can call after a bunk audition or you know to get projects going you know just people that are you know in your same world, you know, so definitely build a community, mm. you know, that's the, that's the first and foremost thing I think, cause that's the stuff that's really saved me in my career, you know, to be able to, uh, all the good stuff has happened that way, you know, to process stuff what, mm-hmm. with, or to create with, or to write with, you Absolutely. Know? I got to imagine it. I mean, it's a difficult industry to begin yeah. with, but an industry like this without a support system, that's got to be a nightmare. So, I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. And LA, LA is a kind of a, a, a weird monkey because it's, it's one of those places where you just, it, it can get really lonely as big as it is. And as many people as they're here, it's different than New York or Chicago where, you know, community is kind of put upon you. You have to get out of your apartment. You have to mingle. Right. In L.A., it's like, ah, it's 7 o'clock. I don't want to get on the 405. You know <laughs> what? I'm just going to hang out. And then you, you, don't, you don't create community. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, it's counterintuitive for artists to be, you know, solitary. Absolutely. You know? Definitely. I do. So community, community, community. That's solid. And also create. I mean, you know, look, if I had to do it all over again, I would have started creating – way earlier mm-hmm. first of all it's fun yeah at, you right? know it's fun it's like oh this is why i do this right you're not waiting by the phone waiting for somebody to hire you that's just a a bunk place to be in you know sure and uh and you grow you grow as an artist you learn new craft i mean that's the that's the wonderful part about this business is it forces you to keep growing and those who don't keep growing you know, you, you, we see them. They're not as interesting as people who are doing a whole bunch of stuff. George Clooney, he's producing, he's writing, he's acting. He doesn't just act, you know? Right. What's cool about Clooney is he does it all, exactly. you know? That's what's cool about him. So, anyway... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's great because we we talk about this a lot. I think if you ever get to the point where you think that's it, I've reached the pinnacle, or I can't learn something new, or I can't do something yeah. more, then you're done. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that's you're basically done. And who wants that? I mean, like, 
<laughs> what pitfalls would you say? Like something that you've seen as a problem out there. We've had some people tell us about the scam artists out there. And like, what pitfalls would you say to avoid if they could? Well, I mean, the one that's coming to mind right now is self-motivation. I mean, you look, you know, an artist's life is freelance. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is you're constantly, you don't have to be at a job at 9 a.m. So it's about how to keep inspired and how to self-motivate, you know, and those can be really, you know, tricky things for, for a lot of artists. Um, and, and, you know, so that, again, going back to community, having a group of people that you're doing stuff with, I think is just pivotal, you know, absolutely. um, other pitfalls that I can think of. I mean, I don't know, I guess at the end of the day, you know, it's like that Charlie Sheen quote. If, 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 if you can't laugh at yourself, you're missing the best joke of the day. I mean, I love that joke. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's so true. It's like, come on guys. We're not, uh, we're not mining coals. Exactly. We're not, you know, this is, this is supposed to be fun and yes, it's a business, but let's put it in perspective. Exactly. So I, 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 I do have an ability to, uh, to sometimes laugh at the business in myself, you know, Absolutely. absolutely. and I think that's a good place to live. Yeah, w without doubt. I mean, I, I think that's that's fantastic. What a, what a way to wrap up that because mm -hmm. yeah, if you can't laugh at yourself, if you it is fun. It's a fun job that you get to do, exactly. and, if you, and you can't take yourself too seriously all of the time. Like, exactly, I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. Oh, well, listen, you have been absolutely a pleasure to talk yeah, to. Yeah, seriously. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. I, without, and like I said, we will definitely want you back on because you have teased us immensely with whatever that project is. Right. Cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. I know, right? I oh, know. Yeah. I'd love to. I'd uh, love to. Well, anytime. fantastic. Open invite anytime you want to come. And you don't even have to have anything to pitch if you just want to come on and talk shit. Like, you do it. You know? guys, today I made scrambled eggs. Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about my process. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, she could definitely, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. We're, we're going to have to have you on for one of the top five segments because I bet yeah. you'd be a blast giving your stuff oh, on that. God. Oh, <laughs> well, li listen, the like I said, anytime you want, just come on back and we'll definitely reach back out when you, when you got your project coming out and continued success on This Is Us and all the stuff Thank that you do. Thank you. Just been an Thank absolute pleasure. Thank you so pleasure. much. Have a great day, guys. Oh, you you too. too. All right. All right. Take Talk care now. Bye-bye. Man, just what a fun person. Talk about not taking life too seriously and getting everything you can out of life. Right? And I, I love that she's as big a fan as she is a worker. Exactly. Like, I, oh, man. I, that reminds us of us, mm -hmm. I, I think, because, you know, we are huge fans of exactly. everything. But then get to be a part of it all, exactly. too. And I think that just makes for something special. And, yeah, what a joy. Exactly. I just love what she said at the very end there. Quit being lazy. Get off your ass. Build a community so everybody can start creating and build something for yeah, themselves. Yeah, well, let's be yeah. honest about it. That That's why we're where we're at. You find the right people, you surround yourself, you have exactly. that support system, and you motivate each exactly. other. Exactly. She's right, without that motivation, mm -hmm. and that's what your support group does. It exactly. motivates you to keep going, and that's, yeah. Oh. Man, what an epic interview. Thank you again, Miss Laura, for coming on the show. All right, now it is time for some box office predictions. Let's do a little recap of last week. I did a pretty good, but the last two, I was taking some shots in the dark, and 
I might have missed. I'm not even going to lie. Um, but number one, it was Men in Black International. It was a very slow weekend last week. I'm not even going to lie. Was. And I'm really disappointed with how that one turned out because you have Thor and Valkyrie. And, like, it's just insane. So I feel like they should just retire the Men in Black franchise, leave it alone. Though That should be done. Yeah, it's like we were talking about in industry news. It's just another tired franchise that I guess people are done with. Exactly. And even two Avengers couldn't save it. I mean, <laughs> I there mean, you go. It's honestly, honestly, it pulled in around thirty million. I predicted around twenty-five to thirty million. So boom, gotcha. Um, number two was Secret Life of Pets that pulled in twenty-four point four million. I predicted twenty to twenty-five million. Number three was Aladdin with seventeen point three million. I predicted. 15 to 20 million and here's when shit got a little sketchy um number four i wanted it to be shaft i was really hoping because samuel jackson what the yeah, hell and samuel three jackson. generations of shaft how the fuck does that not get into the top five right but uh rocket man was number four and number five was dark phoenix uh, Shaft was number six, and I predicted Rocket Man at number five. So, I mean, last week was just slow, honestly. I don't it, think it, a lot of people was, went was. to the theaters. I mean, it's summertime. They're looking for the huge tentpole movies, and which what I they think they wanted Men in Black to be a huge tentpole movie, which it yeah. was just a complete failure. I looked it up. I believe it costs like $110 million to make that now, one. Now, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Do Are there cameos? I mean, do we um, even see Will and Tommy right, Jones? Like, I mean, like, I feel maybe that could have helped it a little right. if they had at least had a yeah. cameo in it. Yeah. Um, I know it's international. Right. So I know it's like a different branch. Or, right. But... I mean, you still somehow could exactly. have had them in there. You well, know? I mean, I even know. in the third one, or the second or third one, I can't even remember how much the originals made, um, Josh Brolin was in it. Right, so, I as mean, a young yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, right? So, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, even Josh Brolin being in it would have been kind of cool. It would have been. Uh, it would have been. But, I mean, there's some there's some big ones coming out this week, man. Mm. I mean, Toy Story 4 finally is coming out. I think this is the end of Woody. That's what they've been saying. That's that's what they've been saying. This is the definitive end to well, I guess Toy Story. I, yeah. I guess. I mean, I would like, hope so. If Woody's yeah. being like, if Woody's done, then they should just stop. Yeah. So, do like you know, do, uh, do him and Bo Peep ride off into the sunset? I don't know. I mean, we know this is a big thing about Bo Peep. Also, they yeah, said she exactly. plays like a huge part huge in this film. Badass, because so, she wasn't in um, the third one. Right. So right. she's coming so, back. This is going to be Annie Potts. God bless her. She plays a great Bo Peep. Yeah, she um, really does. So this is, yeah, I'm excited as hell for this one. I am I, too. I really, really am. And I think it's going to do huge numbers at the box office. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just, that first Toy Story was amazing. I know. And I've, I've been a fan ever since. Yeah, so. I mean, honestly, I don't feel like they've missed a beat with those. No, honestly, no. the first one was amazing. The second one was a great sequel. And then coming out after all those years with a third one that lived up to mm -hmm. the legendary first two right. was amazing. So I'd, I'd expect this to be amazing and as well. And the story behind that. You know, the second one was supposed to be a direct-to-video. Really? Yeah. Shit. It was never even planned for a wow. theatrical release. And then they realized what they had and mm -hmm. how epic the second one was turning out. They're like, exactly. no, nah, this maybe needs to go in the theater. Exactly. And so, like, yeah, it's just crazy how it works. I know. It really is. It really is. And then we have the reboot of Child's Play. Mark Hamhill's mm. Child's Play is mm. coming out this week. That's... Look, <laughs> again, I love Mark Hamill. I, I 
brilliant as Luke Skywalker. Yes, of brilliant course. as the Joker yes. in the animated series. Um, I, 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 huge fan. But we don't need another child's play. I know, right? We, we just, we just don't. I know. We, we don't. They're trying to like rebrand it as like he's at, like a computer chip is inside the doll, yeah, and it's yeah. like all digital. I'm not buying it, right, honestly. No. Yeah, it's not a haunting anymore. It's not like a, a spirit or a demon yeah, in him anymore. Into like, a doll, yeah, yeah, it's totally different, and um, we just. Guys, there are so many original <laughs> ideas out there. We do not need to keep rehashing this shit. I know. It's super crazy. It's super crazy. Um, then, of course, we also still have Men in Black is out. Shaft is still out. Avengers Endgame with 12 extra minutes is about to come out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Make sure to break that record. John Wick 3, Aladdin, Godzilla, King of Monsters, Rocket Man, Secret Life of Pets, Dark Phoenix, and Ma. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It was a big week for Keanu Reeves. It was. Because he is also in Toy Story 4. He's still got John Wick out. And he's in talks with Marvel, and it's becoming more serious. Right, right. And, you know, just I'm going to throw this out there because I know you're a big John Wick fan, and you recently watched Billions for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Taylor Mm -hmm. in John Wick 3. Really? Yeah, I had no Shit. idea. I had no idea. Wow. But but yeah. So now even more so because I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, we got to catch you up on those. Yeah. 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 They're and badass. I I got I got to do it. I'm gonna be honest with you. The first John Wick, he probably has like ten lines of dialogue. Right. The rest right. of it is action packed. It's fucking see, crazy. So this is why we balance each other out. <laughs> like, because see, you're gonna introduce me to John Wick. I introduce you to Billions. Exactly. And that's how we grow, man. Exactly. It's like, no, you need to check this out. Well you need to check this well, out. Check and this then out. we just have like this awesome like repertoire. Exactly. Of exactly. Epicness. exactly. Like, that's what it is. <laughs> I mean we never miss a beat. We never honestly. miss a beat. Honestly. Well number one this week, of course, I think it's gonna be Toy Story with around hundred and forty five to hundred and sixty million. It all depends on how many people are going to go see this film during this amazing summer season. Uh, number two, I think is gonna be child's play. They're predicting it to be around nine to 25 i'm gonna give it a little bit more than that i'm giving it 20 to 30 because i mean i have faith in like the new rebranding and their new reboot and i know a lot of people who love the originals are excited about this shout out to jay wan back in mississippi um (laughs) number three i think is gonna be men in black with around 10 to 15 million Number four, I think, will be Aladdin with around five to ten million, and number five, I think, will be uh, Secret Life of Pets two with around five to ten million. Mm. But I, it's a big week for Disney, man. It is. Do we know a theater count for the re-release of Avengers? Because I, I think it could not. crack the top five if it's on a significant amount of screens. I don't know, man. I really don't. I, I, mm. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. You I, know, if and see, this is Disney. Hire me. Just call me up. I'll help you out. <laughs> I would do it as a fucking double feature, bro. Really? I I would do it as a like a special oh, ticket price back yeah. to back. Watch Avengers and then watch Toy Story or or vice versa. Yeah. And I mean, dude, you'd sell the shit out of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like see both for like fifteen bucks or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah, you would see. Oh my god. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Spend. Let me make sure you have all of your day booked because that's all you're doing. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah, it would be extremely long, but yeah. it'd be worth it. Exactly, worth it. exactly. Because you know, this next Toy Story is probably two plus hours. Oh yeah, 
But I mean, come on. We had people that watched all 22 Marvel films back to back to back to back to back in a theater before Endgame. That shit's I mean, crazy. Come on. That shit so, was crazy. I'm thinking six hours. They're like, that's nothing. Marvel, they're not <laughs> I mean, fine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. But yeah, we shall see what happens, of course. Toy Story is going to be number one. Um, Now let's head over to IMDb Pro's top trending segment. Man, if you are in the entertainment industry, you need this app. People are always wondering, how do we get such amazing guests on our podcast? This is how. IMDb Pro. It's so great. You can search anyone you want and reach out to anyone you want. Now don't be stalkerish, but you can do it. (laughs) Just saying. Well, I mean, it's got so much information. You can tell who the top trending stars are the top trending movies top trending tv shows and so you can you can kind of build a database of yep. who you want to have on the exactly. show and like you know daily it, box office yeah, like just, so uh, much yeah all news all kinds of news and just like it's amazing it's an amazing app it really is it really is all right let's head over to the top trending film which i'm still surprised it won't be next week but dark phoenix is still the top trending film the tv series is still uh chernobyl am i getting that one right yes, this time yes, yes! Yes, yes third time's the charm uh is the top trending tv series and by no surprise the top trending star is keanu reeves yeah and, <laughs> and probably will continue to be yeah for the next weekend. couple yeah, weeks yeah. honestly he's killing it right now i love just how he like went away for a while and came back like bigger and badder than ever yeah. like he's really killing the game right now and he just loves the art of filmmaking he does he does yeah. brilliant brilliant guy yeah seriously seriously well now let's switch it up a little bit to music let's go over to the top digital album sales and the top album sales that goes to the jonas brothers with their new album that came out uh probably three weeks ago two weeks ago uh, happiness begins and they also have that new amazon prime documentary out about their life and their progression as artists as you know brothers and all this crazy shit so i'm i want to check that out honestly because it seems like there was a lot of turmoil the first time they broke up sure. so i mean sure. you know you know whatever joe bros joe bros it ain't easy being a joe bro it ain't I mean, you know i mean you know you know <laughs> uh the top trending are the top billboard radio song right now is khaled's talk which is surprising because that was on his first album i believe so it's crazy they've been replaying that a lot this week Mm. um artist of the week is also the jonas brothers so i mean they're killing it the top 200 albums is also their uh happiness begins so it's weird because i really want to know how they track these for the billboards because i mean it's all streaming now we talk about it every week right so imdb are not imdb billboard and apple music does not match up a lot of the time That's so true. i'm very That's confused true. on like how does billboard do this i mean it has to be uh hard album sales i think because i mean i don't know how else they would do it um, now let's head over to the top streaming streaming songs and the top digital songs. Old Town, Old Country Road, man, still there, <laughs> and the Hot 100 and for 11 straight weeks. It's super crazy, but this dude is finally dropping an EP this Friday, so we go. can finally say he's not a one-hit wonder. Maybe there's something else on, on there. there. Yeah. Like, I mean, so we shall see. And is it going to be all country? That's what I'm interested to see. Like, is it going to be like country rap or like what's going on? Yeah, that that. Mm. 
I know, right? And will people want to listen to it if it's not? That's what I'm I mean, saying. You know, exactly, you know. exactly. If he goes full out country, I'm not sure people will want to listen right, to that shit. Right. Uh, so it is what it is. It is what it is. But anyway, guys, thank you for coming and getting crazy with us on episode 72. We've had a blast talking industry news. Our guest, Laura Naomi, she was just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And make sure to go see Avengers Endgame because we want to break that record. You know we are all comic book geeks over here. (laughs) So we want to break that record. Take down James Cameron's other Titanic. Um, Right. Make sure to follow us on social media at crazy ant media on all social media platforms make sure to follow us both individually myself at jlo fantastic and uh crazy ant guy 1970 oh yeah oh yeah and make sure to head over to our website crazyantmedia.com where you can read our professional bios watch them inside the crazy ant farm recording videos and just so much more we're going to be posting a lot more stuff on there once we have more stuff to show but right now we got to keep that stuff quiet under wraps i'm sure y'all have seen if you are following us that we are having some reads that we did last week with two phenomenal talents the one and only shawnee drake and jamie stick they were just great shout out to them make sure to follow both of them on twitter and instagram and make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast inside the Crazy Ant Farm, anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to leave a comment as well because we appreciate your feedback. I mean, that's what it's all about, getting better. And uh, one more thing. Oh, bro. Oh, bro.